from the liberal northeast comes a lone voice of truth honest commentary in dishonest times think deeper with Juan Newsom. this is the cure radio program This is The Cure. This is The Cure. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode. Um, I have some special guests today, but first I have an announcement as far as one of our sponsors, uh, food insurance folks. If you need emergency meals, military meals, water storage, long-term MRE kits, and care, these emergency foods include meals, fruits, vegetables, meats, beans and rice, dairy and drinks, snacks and dessert. You can call 1-866-946-8366, but you better act now because you know the debt ceiling is up. We have emergencies that are happening in our country, and there's actually an increased demand. And some orders may be delayed up to three months. So, again, 1-866-946-8366. Or you can go to foodinsurance.com and submit your orders. So today on the Cure Folks, we have a special guest, two special guests. They are fighting the NYC COVID mandate tyranny that has been taking place under the administration of Bill de Blasio. Um, so today I want to introduce my guest, Ronald Garuti. He's an attorney here in New Jersey. And his client, Shawnee Dixon. Thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having us, one. Yeah, thank you. Good evening. So, I read about your case, and I read the, the, the plaint, you know, the complaint. But I want to get from your, um, I guess, kind of from your perspective, what were the events that led up to the complaint? Uh, well, do you want Shawnee to answer that question, or do you want uh, me to answer it? Either or. Okay, Shawnee, what do you want to, why don't you give a shot to that one? Um, I would say the events that led up to the reason why we see some, some form of important litigation is because restaurants and all small businesses pretty much that had any kind of indoor activities in New York, they were being forced to now practice these new codes due to these mandates because of because of the coronavirus and the vaccine uh, cards that they are providing to everybody with these new key pass or Excelsior passes. They want uh, the business owners to now request that information and have the patrons show that with a valid ID in order for them to come inside and still be served by us and our staff and so it's been a very difficult thing to try to implement to the patrons because they don't really understand why they're being forced to show their personal information in order for them to sit down and have a meal or you know exercise in a gym or be in a spa and be pampered their their rights are being violated just as much as ours are for you to force us to now request this information so so you were denied service so the patrons are denied service if they are unvaccinated. But what they say is that the patron is not denied service because you can offer the service outside of the establishment, which is 
kind of a rude or nasty way of telling somebody that they can't come in and be treated like everyone else who is vaccinated because you need to be vaccinated in order for you to sit down and break bread with your friends or family. And Juan, if I could, if I could maybe add into this. Um, so Sean A is the owner of Sean A's Kitchen, which is a soul food restaurant, Sean A, I believe. And Sean A's house, excuse me, in Staten Island. And uh, Sean A's, I think about 80% of her customers or 70% of her customers are African Americans, uh, the overwhelming majority of whom are unvaccinated. And under the mayor's EUL, the executive order, emergency executive order, I'll call it an EUL, under the EUL, anybody who is not vaccinated uh, is not allowed inside the restaurant. That includes the owners of the restaurants and the staff of the restaurants. And so uh, I was very fortunate to have a group of restaurant owners and Jim and that I have some uh, people who've been affected by uh buy it as customers uh, band together and um, we all really agree on the same principle that this is a national issue that this is an issue that is affecting wide swaths of the United States that people in the United States are now being asked to do things that they never imagined or dreamed they'd be asked to do and not just being asked to do it they're being told they have to do it and so we are trying to, and we believe we will be, the first domino to uh, get knocked over. We're going to knock this domino over, uh, joining together as this group of amazing plaintiffs that I have one I'm so proud of. Wow. And we are going to knock this domino over, and it's going to set off a series of falling dominoes across this country, I'm convinced. You, um, in the statement of case, it, it, um, it specifically says that... Um, the city is in violation of the first, fifth, thirteenth, and fourteenth amendments under the United States Constitution. Can you talk, speak a little bit more to that? Sure, can. Um, so, you know, the United States Constitution um, is uh, offers broad protections. It's supposed to be providing broad protection to individuals for protection of individual rights. That's sort of the founding principle of this nation that we are. Um, the individual is king. We are kings of ourselves, and that's what sets us free. Um, the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution was uh, came about after the Civil War. It was a Reconstruction Amendment, which was uh, passed uh, so as to really um, give the freedmen and, and women of the South uh, the equal rights and protections of everyone else in the United States in any state. Uh, and there are three components to the 14th Amendment, which really is a critical amendment here, and that is the um, Privileges and Immunities Clause, the Due Process Clause, and the Equal Protection Clause. And if you want me to, I can go through a bit of uh, the history, or I could tell you sort of how it, how it uh, plays out right now. Can you tell me how it plays out right now? Okay, so how it plays out right now, when somebody's fundamental constitutional rights are violated, Typically, a lawsuit is brought in the United States District Court uh, under the Due Process Clause. It's called Substantive Due Process. And the notion is that uh, the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment is supposed to protect people's rights uh, in, in the states and from state action. So in this case, 
uh, we have a number of uh, rights that we claim are violated, including rights under the First Amendment, including freedom of assembly. People are being told they can't assemble with their friends and they can't socialize with their friends. If you're vaccinated, you can't be with unvaccinated and vice versa. Um, and that's a sort of a critical First Amendment issue. Uh, there's also uh, freedom, for instance, of um, bodily integrity. So the courts have for years held that bodily integrity is a fundamental right of individuals. It's, it's very basic to what we are as an individual. It's fundamental. And so here we have um, the mayor of New York, one man, who has decided to tell millions of people how they're supposed to live their lives. And that's not the uh, system of government that we live in, uh, we're supposed to be living in anyway. And the mayor is telling people that if you do not stick a needle in your arm and get this vaccine, then you will not be allowed to be part of society, essentially, and or a big part of society. And so that's the fundamental, he's taking actions to coerce people to, um, to, uh, to decide that they must, um, uh, violate their own bodily integrity to be part of society. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you got a pretty strong case. I imagine, Shawnee, this is affecting your business a lot in terms of, you know, the amount of people you can serve and the revenue and even, like, as far as staffing. Um, right. Tell me, how is that working out? Well, uh, being a plaintiff on this case, I am a unique plaintiff because I am an unvaccinated business owner i'm also an african-american here in the community and it's not about skepticism it's not about race for me uh for me it is about my health i had a i'm a medical miracle and so i passed away on 9 11 2020 and after passing away i was revived and then in a coma and once i was woken up the doctors explained to me that I had developed a condition that was incurable and untreatable, but my body had healed itself. And so my doctors have told me that it would not be in my best interest to get the vaccination. So me as a business owner who was told that I cannot run my business because I'm not vaccinated, but my body fights these things on their own. And then I'm also told that I can't have anyone come in around me because I am being reckless in my health and to the other to others it has drastically affected my business because i want to make sure that i remain in compliance and that i'm upright and i don't believe that i'm doing anything wrong to anyone that's here because of my own medical experience i don't believe that i'm going to put anyone in danger or in harm's way because i have yet to get this covid you know, illness. And I'm not saying that it's a hoax or it's not true and people are not suffering and people haven't died from it, but it's something that I have not suffered from. And I test every week, twice a week. And I have my staff tested because they are my children. This is a family owned and operated business. And we make sure that we are safe around our patrons. But right now it's very difficult to try to make money because they the inspectors in new york city are already making their moves and coming around and finding the businesses in my neighborhood and so i definitely can be considered to be at fault because i'm not vaccinated and i would be allowing people to come in here with me and my family and serve them so i would get fined automatically wow it's um it, I, I think these politicians they don't understand that this isn't a partisan issue um, right. Especially when it comes to this mandate in New York City, 
and you see there's places like California that have strict COVID restrictions. This issue goes across, it, it goes across party lines and it's affecting people's livelihoods, um, how they make their personal health decisions and so forth. And I don't think there's a, a, a big understanding of that or they don't really care. I just think they really, in, in my opinion, are used to this power since the since the um, COVID crisis has started, and they're so reluctant to give it up. Yeah, I, uh, and Juan, it's um, it's exactly exactly the case. Um, so we're we're trying to fight this COVID tyranny, and uh, my clients are looking to take this all the way to the United States Supreme Court, and we think that we have some uh, some real legitimate. Uh, constitutional claims here. We do anticipate uh, win or lose uh, the first round in the trial court that there will be appeals, and then there'll be uh, that will go to the circuit court of appeals, the second circuit court of appeals, and then there'd go be an appeal to the United States Supreme Court. And all this takes time and it takes money. So, if I may make a plug, my clients really um, need fundraising. They need help with their fundraising to right. take this all the way, and they have created a. Uh, a crowdsourcing uh, website to for people to contribute, uh, to voluntarily contribute, yep, and ahead. it is it is at givesendgo.com, G-I-V-E-S-E-N-D-G-O.com, uh, slash end COVID tyranny, end COVID tyranny, givesendgo slash end COVID tyranny, and you can donate and help our clients out. Um, so yeah, the, go to that site and please contribute. This is very important. Yes. This is probably the most important case in the country right now. I know that Absolutely. there's others in California. There's probably other lawsuits in New York as well. But I, you know, I believe that this case right here could be the most important. I I tend to agree only for the reason that there are other cases that I'm aware of and they're really terrific cases, but they tend to be based more narrowly on particular issues such as teacher vaccinations or uh, theaters and, and how there's a First Amendment issue with theaters being um, singled out. Uh, we, we attack the entire basis of the mayor's power. We, we say that there, the, the emergency that he declared back in March 2020 plainly existed. But to your point, at this point, the emergency is not what it was at all. And I can give you some solid numbers to back it up. In March 2020, in March 30th, 2020, uh, daily hospitalizations in New York City peaked at about 1,850, a catastrophic number. On April 7th, 2020, there were about 800 deaths from COVID-19 in New York City. Again, catastrophic numbers. And these numbers, of course, had a lot to do with Governor Cuomo's policy of insisting that uh, the COVID sick be put into senior facilities where the most vulnerable people were. Over 6,300 people were put into, into senior citizen facilities, and that caused a mass, uh, massive deaths. And when that policy ended, um, the deaths started to come down. Now, in comparison to that, on the weekend, the, the Friday before uh, these rules, these tyrannical rules, some would say, uh, went into effect. Uh, under New York City's own statistics, there were 65 hospitalizations over the full week in New York City. Okay. And there were eight deaths in New York City. And only 
roughly 3.5% thereabouts, 35 to 4% of the people testing for COVID tested positive. So we're nowhere near the type of emergency and the type of emergency situation that we had been, yet the powers being taken by one man mm-hmm. are enormous. And people like Shawnee, who literally, if she takes the vaccine, can die, have no recourse because there is no exception for people with medical conditions. There's no exception for people with religious exceptions. We have one of our pay, one of our clients is a very um, devout uh, Catholic, but she doesn't follow the Vatican necessarily. But she's very serious in her in her religious convictions, and she will not take the vaccine because it was used. Uh, there were abort efficiency used in, in the testing, oh, wow. uh, and then. There also is no uh, exception for people who have natural immunity. We have two of our plaintiffs are people who uh, have natural immunity. Three of our plaintiffs have medical conditions, two of whom um, have been told that there's a good chance that they'll die if they take the vaccine. But they're kept out of society because the mayor has taken on this vast power. Wow. Wow. What about the children? That's my next question. Is this mandate how does this affect children in new york city great question so uh one of our one of our uh, plaintiffs is a mother she's actually vaccinated she's a restaurant owner she is vaccinated but she has three children between the ages of 12 and 17. under new york city statistics uh children under 17 only 20 percent are vaccinated now granted some of that percent is kids under 12 who can't be vaccinated I don't know, there, there is no city statistic that I could find that specifically talked about 12 to 17. But the point is, is that parents are choosing for their children because the parents have a right to be involved in their child's health care. They're choosing not to have their children get vaccinated. And, and the reasons are obvious. Children in that age range are not necessarily uh, at high risk. And also, there's no long-term knowledge as to what these vaccines will do there is you know anecdotal evidence from early tests that there could be problems with uh, the vaccine and and parents naturally are worried about the long-term effects on their kids so why take the risk if the kids are not at high risk what the mayor has done is with his um executive order has provided that children over 12 are not vaccinated who don't have at least one shot uh, are precluded from going into restaurants, going into gyms, going into movie theaters. And what does that do? It interferes with the parental right, another constitutional right we're talking about here, to, to direct the children's um, uh, health and welfare. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a real problem because, again, parents now are going to be forced either to tell their kids you have to stay home and basically have no life, or... You can get you will have you get vaccinated against their wishes because the parents' wishes and that's unconstitutional. We claim. I would, like add, I would like to add to that only because I have the personal experience with that. So I have six children. My two children are currently in high school. Um, my daughter was recently removed from class because she's unvaccinated. A vaccinated child was uh, came up positive in her classroom. And what the school did was immediately sent her an email that told her that she was randomly selected from the unvaccinated list and told that she could not return to school for 10 days because somebody in the classroom had COVID 
and that she would be not only at risk, but she would be a risk to the school if she contracted it. Um, the school has 2,600 students. And so that child is going to come in contact with so many other students, but you randomly selected unvaccinated children. My son was then told by my daughter, just out of that emotional kind of pressure and stress that I had to then counsel both my children about was if I'm around those students and I'm around you when I come home, then that means you can't go to school either. And so they both were like, what's important about well, should we go? My son was already dealing with stress and pressure because he was accepted to the JV basketball team and then told he could not play because he was unvaccinated. So you told him he was accepted and then you tried to apply pressure to him to get vaccinated in the school because they have a school clinic that doesn't require parental consent for him to be vaccinated. And so they could have did it against my will. Wow, that is insane. What is going on in New York City? I mean, from the education system, from the mayor's office, what is going on in that place? I am so glad I got out of there. <laughs> Yo, it's funny. Um, I just read an article uh, this evening, uh, and it's that's a perfect point. It's a, it's an article about masking, but it's from, the, it's from Ameri American Greatness. Um, and the opening line is, if you believe the rhetoric spewing from the mouths of those on the left, apparently parents don't know how to take care of their own children. They can give them life, food, and a home. But once they leave the home for school, parents should shut up and sit down and let the professionals make decisions for their children on everything from learning to their health. And that's what's going on here. It's about the so-called professionals who are wagging their fingers at parents saying, bad parent, you have to have your children vaccinated. It's very, very stressful because it's something that you have to constantly speak to your kids about every single day that they walk out the door. These are the things that the school is like trying so hard to embed in their brain is to just make these decisions without your parents. You know, do these things because otherwise you're isolated and you'll get alienated because you're not vaccinated like everybody else. Wow. Wow, man. That's got to be a lot of stress. Probably even more so than the original COVID lockdowns. Right. Because you're yes, trying to, it has been. You're trying to somewhat live your life mm -hmm. and, and carry on about your, you know, your day to day. Right. And you have all of these restrictions. You don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. and when to do right so shani how are you operating now go back to your business how are you operating now are you is someone in charge of your business for you or um unfortunately i don't have anyone to be in charge of my business because employment is down like there's no way to hire anyone to come in because of the community that I'm in. Yes, it is heavily African-American, so many of them are unvaccinated. And then my, my business is new. I just established it. So why would I establish a business and then hand it over to somebody just because they're vaccinated so that I can keep going? What I have done is I just keep going. Um, if, if, if government is going to move in this sort of tyrannical way and say that we can't do things. I'm going to move in a way that still operates under the democracy. So I'm still going to operate my business and do what I have to do in order to provide for my children. Because if anything happens to me, then who's going to take care of my children? Who's going to make the decisions for my household? So I am blessed enough to work in the entertainment industry. Many entertainers are not getting the vaccination. 
because they are allowed to make those kinds of decisions because of their money. And they've hired me as a private chef. And so I, I get tested. I go in every day. I work and I'm able to make a very good salary with each of my clients and continue my business. My business in terms of my brick and mortar here where my restaurant is, I do try to operate slightly under compliance by providing takeout. And so you'll see the many little loopholes in the paper on your windows. And it's like, you know, as long as you're staying within physical distance of people, you're allowed to sort of kind of operate. And so as long as I stay in the back and I have somebody here in the front and we have a system where people come and they pick it up and it's at a table and it's contactless, you don't get to see me, you don't get to touch me, it's in a bag. That's really how I'm operating right now is where I'm not getting the opportunity to network and speak and embrace my customers the way that I used to. Now it's in a very impersonal way, but it has to be done in order for me to keep making money. But I am gracious, I'm, I'm grateful enough to have the customers that I do who have been extremely compassionate in my community, who understand the changes. And we haven't had a situation like Carmont here in New York City where anyone was coming in disgruntled wanting to fight with us. They kind of just take the food and go. And, and that's been a blessing. That's awesome. That's an amazing, that's an amazing way to, to kind of to maneuver around some of this stuff. Um, I would imagine some of your, um, some of your fellow restaurant owners, they're probably um, doing something a lot similar in order to yes. see the flow. This is, um, yeah, this is something that is like through a thread, you know, of conversations in different groups where we talk about what are the strategies that you are able to continue operating. You know, like we all have our fears, but at the same time, we still have to fight. And so I'm extremely grateful that Aurora was able to connect with me. I'm super grateful that we have Rob Bruce, who's has a wealth of knowledge in history and law and understands the rules and what is really going on right now in our government. Because I believe that this is going to be something that globally is going to show people that if you don't unite, un even under government, you lose everything. And so instead of losing everything, people have to come together and sort of govern themselves and find those that are uh, not as fearful like Ron to stand up against, you know, these kinds of situations and fight for what is truly humanly right. And that is to be able to operate in our businesses, make our own medical choices and take care of our families and continue to, to produce so that we can uh, keep giving to the community and keep building economic wealth. That's really important you know, to us is to make sure that we are able to contribute. Okay. That's, I mean, <laughs> no one can say it any better than that. I mean, we, we here at the Cure, we're going to keep posting your case and keep track of the progress. Um, I will definitely post your GoFundMe on uh, our site. It's actually, it's, actually, it's actually Give, Send, Go. We don't do GoFundMe because GoFundMe uh, is alleged to have uh, taken or, or tur turned off uh, shut off the spigot for people whose causes they don't agree with. Okay. So we're specifically not using a GoFundMe. We're going to Give, Send, Go, uh, which is a, it's a Christian-based site, but they don't they don't have the reputation of taking money or, or ending uh, fundraising because they don't agree with the cause. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. You, can send your, you can send your prayer request in, too. <laughs> that's amazing. So, that's, again, folks, that's Give, Send, Go.com slash in covid tyranny folks i just want to thank you both for being here today thank and, you Juan. thank you for listening and we're going to get this thing out here we're like i got an audience that's thousands strong 
So we're going to get this thing spread and so we can get some funding in here so that you guys can um, take on the Leviathan. Yeah. We're going to succeed, Juan. And uh, we, we, we appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak with your audience. Uh, I know they're a very knowledgeable audience. And I know you for a long time and I know you're a very knowledgeable guy. And um, we just, you know, if everybody can contribute just a little bit, it will make a big difference. We're going all the way to the United States Supreme Court, and this is a case, again, that's going to have national impact, and um, we, we believe that we're well on the way, and, and, and we have to be brave and be strong, and like I said, I'm proud of Sean A and all the other plaintiffs who have uh, really put themselves out there and put themselves on the line to stand up for freedom and what's right. Amen. Amen. AR is the Indep- Independent Restaurant uh, owners uh, Rescue uh, Association Rescue Independent Restaurant Owners Association Rescue It's a group of about 250 restaurants in New York uh, Primarily in Staten Island and Brooklyn But there are others And they banded together They're also one of our clients Rob DeLuca Who uh, Shawnee mentioned is the head of IROR And they banded together When the mayor uh, When the governor Initially started with the COVID restrictions And um uh, they're in this fight, and the restaurants are committed to this fight, and uh, we have a gym owner committed to the fight. We have a woman who is a patron of the gym owner who's had seven aneurysms and a stroke, and has been told seven brain aneurysms and a stroke that she survived, and she's been told she can't get the vaccine, and she takes her four-year-old daughter to the gym, granddaughter of the gym, uh, which uh, which is a gym that uh, primarily serves the autistic uh, spectrum community of children and now uh, most of the uh, families there don't get vaccinated because their belief rightly or wrongly whatever it is they believe that autism has been caused many of them believe that autism was caused by the vaccines yep. and so they can't come to the gym their kids don't have the have the resource of the gym that's a, a very underserved community and um, it's uh, it's again there, there's so many consequences to these types of uh, fiat orders that one does not expect or one doesn't think about, but the consequences are massive and they're vast. And um, whether they're intended or not, we don't know, but we do know that the mayor decided that he wanted this power. He wanted to try to force this issue. And we say that in the United States of America, there's a thing called the Constitution. And the Constitution is going to stop this from continuing. Amen. Amen. Any support you get from any, because I know there's a big mayor's race coming up in New York City. Um, any any word from any of the candidates that are running for mayor? I know you have Sleva, um, and you also have Eric Adams. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, you know, we're not we're not politicians. Uh, there there are there are two ways to tackle um, uh, behaviors like Mayor De Blasio's, mm-hmm. and that's through the ballot box and it's through the courts. Um, there are two legal ways. We're taking the court approach. Um, whether Eric Adams or Curtis Lee wins, uh, they may change the mayor's executive order. But our position is that we're going to continue this fight no matter what because. We can never let this happen again. And even if the new mayor, whoever that may be, rescinds this emergency power, uh, there's still the issue of it can happen again tomorrow. 
and we have a particular claim with the United States Supreme Court where we are asking the court to really kind of make some new law, to, to revisit a part of the law that hasn't been visited in a serious way since 1873, and that's the Privileges and Immunities Clause. Justice Clarence Thomas wrote uh, very interestingly about it about uh, 12 years ago, and he said that the clause needs to be revisited because it's not properly being applied, and it's supposed to be, according to Justice Thomas, the protective device for our, um, our fundamental civil rights under the Constitution, and that's not how it's being applied. And so what we're asking the court to do is, right now, it is normal to have state power to, to uh, look over emergencies and control things locally, but there's no curb on that state power. Once there's a state of emergency uh, declared, how do you curb that state power? Can you curb it? And what we're asking the court to do, and hopefully the Supreme Court eventually, is to say that, look back at the Privileges and Immunities Clause, take another look at it, and say that that is where states' power is curbed. That when they go into an emergency, and that emergency turns into tyranny, or turns into things like these kinds of orders by one man, that we want the Supreme Court to be able to come in and say, there's a, there's a guardrail here. There's a break that has to be put on this, and that break is coming from the, the Privileges and Immunities Clause. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. So, give, send, go, backslash, end COVID tyranny. Please help out. Yeah. All right. This is The Cure.